and welcome back to the Play It Forward podcast, the podcast presented by Peace Players, where we lift the voices and stories of people working in their communities and networks to promote peace and equity. I am Chene Nawagbo, your host. You know, recently I've been going by Cheneze Nawagbo, which is my full name, so we'll do that. Ooh, Cheneze Nawagbo, ooh. your host <laughs> of the Play It Forward podcast. Uh, I am so excited to be here today. Um, we have an exciting and amazing guest. Uh, but before we do that, we'll talk about what's going on on today's episode. Today's episode, we will be speaking to our very special guest on sports, identity, and migration, how moving people changes places. Really, I want to say how moving people changes the world. Hmm. Um, but before we get into the nitty gritty of today's show. Yeah, he's looking over his shoulder because this show is not possible without my co-host and the most amazing man in the world, Emmett Shepard. <laughs> Hold for applause. <laughs> and thank you. Um, wow. I already was obsessed with you in the first place, Chani, and like had uh, this you know, deep-seated I, lust for you. But Chaneze, yeah. that just throws it, that it, throws the emotions it, up into the sky and into the stratosphere. The oh my God. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you. How thank are you. you? How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you? I'm happy to have you here. It's always great. I'm Just happy, a great I'm happy to be here. It's good to be back. Honestly, I have my coffee. I'm feeling good. I got my nice sweater on because I thought, you know, for this guest, I have to, I have to dress to the nines. They right. care clearly about right. fashion a lot. So <laughs> I needed to try my best to do that. Um, right. Hello, everyone. My name is Emmett Shepard. I am the co-host to the incredibly gifted Chineze. Nuagbo. Oh, thank you. And I'm really happy to be here, honestly. Uh, I, it's been a minute. Chini, we, 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 we haven't recorded in a minute, but um, yeah. it, it's yeah. always a refreshing thing to hear your voice start my day. Awesome. Um, but before I want you to introduce the guest, let us remind our listeners mm -hmm. that you can follow us on Instagram at Play It Forward Podcast to find highlights, more behind the scenes footage of me and Chini just doing mundane activities like cooking and doing laundry. I know you guys want to see that content. <laughs> And if you could be a doll, rate our podcast on Apple Music and Spotify. We really enjoy the reviews. We read all of the comments that we get, and it really just warms our hearts. It does. Now, it really does. <clears throat> thanks so much for doing so. Chinny, tell the people who we're talking to. Today. All right. And I'm going to get this. Hopefully, I get this correct, uh, but definitely bear with me here because uh, many accolades uh, requires a great read. So today's guest is the current CEO of a brand new venture called Jetter Global Partners. Jetter, I love that name. And mm -hmm. provides comprehensive immigration solutions for elite athletes from around the world. He is the former senior director of international government affairs for the NBA, where he managed and advised all immigration matters for players, staff, and families of the NBA, WNBA, 2K, G League, and the Basketball African League. He started his professional career as a radio journalist in his hometown, Kansas, uh, before moving to Washington, D.C., where he became the communications director and later chief of staff and campaign manager of our now U.S. Senator Jerry Moran. Did I mention that he and I are I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say we're like best friends, but we're almost best friends. That's what, what I'm going to say. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, help me welcome Travis Murphy to the show. Welcome, Travis. You're amazing. Welcome, Travis. Thank you both. Wow. What's, this is energy. I love it. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you. Pleasure Thanks for having you. me. Yeah. No, and, and, you know, Travis, I, 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 I imagine 
you know, growing up in Kansas and going to DC, you, you, you heard whispers of this, but it, I won't sure. be offended if you haven't, but right. uh, there's been whispers of sweet nothings in the wind throughout <laughs> all of America about an icebreaker King. I, I don't yeah. know if it's a myth, yeah. if it's uh, a lore, I didn't give myself this title. This was more so <laughs> given to me by the masses. Um, but well, the like the way we like to start this show is to just ask an icebreaker to, as we like to say, break the ice. It right, doesn't get any right. simpler than that. There you go. And uh, today's icebreaker I want to ask you is, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Wow, the the icebreaker king. I'm I'm flattered to uh, yes, he is indeed be able to, yeah. to to partake right out of the gate mm, here. Mm. Yes. Uh, wow, that's 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 a great question. Um, you know, it's. We're, we're going to go deep here right out of the gate, but yeah. I, um, you know, so I started my career in, in radio, uh, once upon a time, kind of fancied myself as a, uh, on-air personality, as, uh, I think your listeners will see over the course of the, the next 45 minutes. That's, that's not the case. I went somewhere else in a different direction <laughs> with my career, but, um, Early on in my career, I was covering local elections, you know, essentially at 19, 20 years old and was a bit daunted even going into a county courthouse in small town, Kansas to, to be there and kind of cover the election results and report back. And my uh, the general manager of the radio station at the time, um, you know, he his advice was just it's essentially, you know, look, you belong there. You're there. You're you're a part of this organization and you're there representing it. And uh, people, you know, you may not believe that you're supposed to be there, but you belong. And, you know, it was, it was subtle. It was, you know, about a, a courthouse in Beloit, Kansas, but at the same time, that's something that's frankly resonated throughout my career. Uh, I've, mm -hmm. I like to say I've had a somewhat unexpected career to kind of come from the background I came from and, uh, you know, which didn't necessarily lend, lend itself to, to having, you know, the opportunities I've had, but, you know, now today kind of working in global sports uh, I think I still struggle to to some extent with this I you know this imposter syndrome right to, this yeah. idea like um, um, I, I, do they know who I am I'm not sure that <laughs> right, I'm right, to be right. in this room right, yeah. um, but you know you belong and you know I I think with with what we're doing here in terms of trying to to open the world uh, through sports uh, you know we're going to talk I assume about sports diplomacy you know I've become a big believer and advocate for for the work that it's done in that discipline and right, you know right. I, I think it's important to remember that not from an arrogant standpoint there's obviously a fine line between uh humility and arrogance but you know you belong there if you're there right. if you've earned the spot right. then own it be there and do the best you can right yeah oh. that's yeah no no that's great well that's all the time we have thank you um, <laughs> thank you so much mic drop um yeah no i really love uh, you're absolutely right and i think uh especially and i can speak for myself as a black woman um, leaning into that confidence is so important. Uh, and mm -hmm. knowing that you are where you are because you're supposed to be there mm -hmm. is a, a key driver for me to, to really feel a part of the work that I'm doing. I love sports diplomacy, as you know. Mm -hmm. So that that's, it's, it's important. It's, I'm actually surprised that you even feel that way. Um, I, uh, the imposter syndrome is, is a deep <laughs> one that a lot of people they are not as vulnerable as you have have been right now to share it with us. So that's yeah. What what about you, Emmett? I, no, I mean the that. imposter the imposter syndrome thing. I imagine also, Travis. It's like a it's it's more of like sort of like a hill that you always have to climb up. It's never like right. that imposter syndrome goes away. I imagine. So does right, it, is right. it you, you just go back to that day in Kansas, going okay? I just have to reiterate to myself that I've I've done the work. I've done the necessary right. steps to get to this place right. I, I i belong to be here kind of thing yeah 
no it's yeah really absolutely and it's 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 coming into your own and, and recognizing you know now um I, i've kind of carved out this niche at this unique intersection i think of of sports and diplomacy and governance right. and immigration right. and you know really over the course of the pandemic i uh, have kind of to you know become a resource you know for for the you know working at the nba but for others in the sports industry yeah. and, and recognizing there's an mm. opportunity here to kind of coalesce and bring people together and then harness and leverage that that kind of collective power of sports leagues to advocate on behalf of, of the work that we're doing worldwide. Wow. Um, yeah. Because really, yeah. you know, when you, and I think you, you see this a lot in our international work, you know, with the NBA, uh, where I've been for the last six years, you know, we, we travel a lot and obviously working in diplomacy before that. And I, I think that's an important thing to carry with you when, you know, that again, going back to that sense of humility, when you're sitting that there, you're a diplomat in a foreign country and, right. and you're working in the United States embassy and, you know, your housing's taken care of and your car's taken care of. And, and, but yet you're, you know, you're going into these areas that, you know, like my last overseas post was in Cote d'Ivoire in West Africa, Ooh. you know, of, of absolute abject poverty. Yeah. And so, you know, um, but there, but there, but that, you know, everybody deserves an opportunity and everybody deserves a chance, whether it be academics, whether it be athletics, what, you know, whatever it may be, I think being able to, to encourage that and, and, and find those opportunities to say, yes, I, I may be in this position today, but I get it. You know, I've maybe not been there, but you know, I've, I've been through a journey myself and, and then using that to relate and to connect. Yeah. yeah. And using, and also uh, finding, um, using your platform, basically at the end of the day, I always say this, using your platform to serve others. Um, and so no, that being said, let's get right into the nitty gritty of our, uh, our conversation today. And so for many of you, you may not know this, but the reason why I know Travis Murphy is that I'm a, um, I'm a sports envoy uh, and Travis and I have worked together in the past on envoy projects, uh, particularly the project in Tanzania, Africa, which changed my life. Um, but these projects are hosted by the Department of State's uh, Bureau of Education and Cultural Affairs, a government sector created to help and foster mutual understanding of the United States and the people of other countries to promote friendly and peaceful relations. Um, and so Travis and I had a, a chance to meet there. He was um, just a, a really great sounding board in terms of what to expect and how the uh, the NBA wanted to implement some of their their programs and the language and it was just nice to meet him and to continue to work with him after that. Um, but Travis, you've already given us some insight to uh, who you are and what what you're doing and the intersectionality between sports, sports diplomacy, um, um, international affairs. But let's go a little bit deeper uh, and just mm -hmm. we'd love to learn about your journey and how you got here, uh, specifically about just your love uh, for, for sports diplomacy. Um, but go ahead, let us know. Kansas, DC, I wanna hear the whole story. <laughs> um, yeah, well, thank you, Chinia. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, I love the fact that now, you know, but uh, six, seven years after we first connected with you as a sports envoy and, and me as a program officer on the back end, helping support uh, the program to Tanzania. Uh, and then, you know, we've stayed in contact and been able to kind of continue to, to intersect in each other's lives. So. Uh, it's it's great to be on and be able to have this conversation with you today. Um, you know, in, in terms of my background, you know, I, we've, we've kind of touched on that growing up in, in Western Kansas, uh, started my career in radio, and through that kind of uh, an interest in politics grew. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I've had a very unexpected life, and uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. But through the radio station job, I got to know my local congressman, came to Washington, which is where I am currently. Uh, DC's kind of been home uh, most of my career in one capacity or another. 
and came here and was press secretary on Capitol Hill um, a few years ago. I'll, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, eventually became uh, the congressman's chief of staff. So, you know, at, at 27, I was uh, going back to this imposter syndrome. At 27, I was the chief of staff for a U.S. congressman and uh, woefully cool. unqualified for the job. <laughs> but at the same time, had, you know, a, a great rapport with him. I think kind of understand, understood fundamentally what he was trying to accomplish and representing the, you know, the people of Kansas and kind of understood that, that heartland mentality. Uh, and then from there, you know, I, I really wanted to, to you know, I, I did that and it's grueling long days, long nights, you know, it was a great way to spend my twenties, but was definitely ready for um, new challenges, new opportunities. I went back to grad school. So uh, I'm a Wildcat, Kansas State for undergrad and a Sun Devil, Arizona State for my graduate degree. After that, I came back, worked a bit in the state, helped him get ready for his set run for the Senate, but really had, had you know, this interest had been growing in, in wanting to expand. You know, I, I felt like I had traveled and understood right. government, but wanted to, to expand my horizons internationally, right. but was kind right. of past the point in my life where like, uh, you know, a, a three-month backpacking trip through Europe made sense. <laughs> right, right. And so was trying to figure out a way to sustainably, um, you know, have introduce myself, if you will, to a, more of an international stage. And then, um, but also, you know, at that point, public service had really kind of ingrained itself in me. And, and, and I wanted to figure out a way, you know, is it the Peace Corps? Is it USAID? Is it working right. for an NGO? Like what makes sense? And actually right. uh, pursued a Peace Corps tour, but, um, you know, ultimately that didn't work out. Uh, and then uh, took the foreign service exam and, um, you know, it's, it's an extensive process, a written exam, mm -hmm. uh, and then a series mm -hmm. of essay questions that are judged, then an oral exam all day, mm -hmm. Washington, DC. And then I passed and, and got into the Ooh. foreign service. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so uh, joined at the beginning of the Obama administration in 2009. So kind of came in with, you know, a fresh look at diplomacy and the aftermath of 9-11, you know, even right. then, you know, the Bush administration, uh, wars right. ongoing in Afghanistan and Iraq. And so it was a really interesting time to kind of come into foreign policy and be introduced mm -hmm. into that world. And then, um, you know, through the Foreign Service, I spent a full tour in Ecuador. I did a, what we call a long-term TDY, a temporary duty assignment to uh, Suriname, learned a full course of Spanish, learned a full course Ooh. of French. And then my uh, did an overseas tour in Cote d'Ivoire, was there for almost three years. And then that takes us back around to a domestic tour in which I served in the Office of Sports Diplomacy. Ooh, sports landed right in your lap. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, Travis, is, it, is, is radio still something, before I ask, you know, dive into, you know, diplomacy and, and immigration more so specifically, but radio for you is there still sort of this uh ember of connectivity <laughs> you have with radio or has it been like so far removed at this point that you're kind of like been there and it's it's a it's a nostalgic memory at this point I'm not gonna lie Emmett like when I get in this setting like I am right now like there's a little bit more bass in my voice like yeah, <laughs> it turns yeah, yeah. back on yeah. 
<laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of back in the control room looking out right. the window. There's the thermometer. 73, 73 degrees here. On right. right. It's right. back in. Right. <laughs> does, is there, does, but you never like, is never like a moment where it's like you're listening to a game or, or, or trying to like, you, you turn NPR, you never like seek it out ever kind of, because it is sort of radio in, in a sense, it's sort of, especially amongst young people. Not a lot of young mm. people listen to radio anymore. Is there still that sort of like, nostalgia piece that you want to hold on to or is it is it moved on kind of for you no it's funny you know during the pandemic like so many of us was uh kind of going through boxes and you know digging out the attic like what's in right. this and right. came across a number of i'll date myself a little bit cassettes like air check cassettes <laughs> and things like that and uh so found a digitization company and it's funny i have the very first interview i did with Jerry Moran, you know, who, he, you know, he's been in my life now for 25 years. And so I have the very first interview I did with him and it is abhorrent. It is terrible. <laughs> right, right. I now have that uh, saved for posterity. Again, just like, you know, those little reminders of where you came from. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Our youth, our youth audience is looking up cassette. Is that a band? <laughs> right. I've never heard of them before. Yeah. Um, um Sorry, Judy, I just want to I want to like give our audience sort of like uh, an opportunity to sort of because I think immigration diplomacy, these words, they're pretty big. Mm -hmm. um, mm. They tend to be like, I think, associated with pretty dry material, like a lot of mm -hmm. reading and just yeah. words and yeah, and yeah. sitting in a room. Um, yeah. But I think it's a lot more colorful and a lot more integrated. And, and like you said, I don't think most people knew that people go on tour to all right. these amazing places and right. do stuff like that. So for, sort of for our audience, can you sort of explain, give us like a small crash course in terms of what is it that you're actually doing on the ground and specifically in that sports diplomacy kind of realm kind of thing for them? Because like people hear these words and right. they don't really understand what they what mean to some degree. Means. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Chenny, I feel like you could take that question better than I. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I, I know I, I can, but I don't. It's also for me. I'm saying, I'm saying no. kids, but I'm just talking about myself in this case. Like, what does diplomacy yeah. mean, actually? Okay, I can say a little bit about what I know, and then Travis, just if you want, just come and fill in the gaps because I know you yep. do it from a different angle than I do. But sports diplomacy, from my angle as the athlete, is just using your platform <clears throat> to serve something greater than yourself. And so we're in these countries. So with the Department of State, the work that I do is I, I'm traveling to these different uh countries and we're working with the the u.s the different embassies there to promote peace um to promote uh leadership and teamwork uh to really lean into the girls and women's empowerment and create safe places for kids with uh, disabilities to play and sports basketball uh mm -hmm. in my area is just a small um piece of of that work um and so we go into these countries and in tanzania for example uh i was working with the maasai tribe um of tanzania and why this work was important was because the law, the government has passed a law to end underage marriage for, for mm -hmm. girls. Um, mm -hmm. And so what was unique about our work is that we were working with this um, school, this, um, this, this, I guess it's a charter school that was created in the middle of this village for these young girls to come to school. And the direct link here is if they got their education, they were given another chance at life. They could go mm. and study in different universities and they could break through the shackles of underage marriage. Although the government had passed this law to eradicate it, it's, it was still very heavily practiced. And so you had this little school with about 250 girls were there and were hosting basketball camps because basketball was a ticket out of under um, underaged uh, marriage. And so 
interesting. That's the kind of work we do. Um, yeah. The kind of work you go and you go, oh, you, like you're crying every day because you're like, yeah, you're, you're, it's not because you're changing their lives, but they're changing your life. And you're like, oh my. and you, you see the direct impact that sports has on anyone's life um, and how it can change uh, the world. Hence our title. Um, yeah. How, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's what yeah. that's my work from my angle. But that's Travis, please. fantastic. I, I don't I don't know if I can add anything to that. I mean, but, you know, from a. Uh, programmatic standpoint, or, you know, just the like the management of these programs, I think the Department of State feels and recognizes mm. that sports is a universal language, right? Exactly. It has the ability and unique ability to bring people together from diverse mm. groups and ethnicities and languages and mm. religions and Absolutely. sports transcends, right? Exactly. And there's all of these sort of in, inherent um characteristics to sports i mean you have peaceful conflict resolution you have empowerment you have respect for diversity all those things you've touched on chinny um and and even just like leadership and individual growth and then you know working for the nba so making that transition from the department of state as a diplomat where that essentially was our mission abroad Mm. was to reach i was a public diplomacy officer there's different areas in which you can Mm. work in the foreign service so i was more in kind of the outreach media relations, uh, cultural diplomacy um, uh, track. And so through that, like, you know, I did a lot of work using uh, baseball, softball, soccer, and basketball, different sports to, to, you know, clinics and camps when I was a diplomat and really saw how just effective it was. Because you just, you get a line of kids right on the edge of a field or a pitch, and they're all kind of shifting nervously back and forth, foot to foot foot giggling and then you bring out the balls and then everybody like it's just this equalizer that tears down you know the nervousness and the anxiety just in a way that that few other things has the ability to do yeah and i think emma does a great job of saying this when he says um because this is what our show does but we provide the space to have and feel comfortable to have these uncomfortable conversations Mm-hmm. Um, he, he says it much more articulately, but you know, I, I, I screwed that up, but yeah, that's what sports does. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I hope that answers your question. Does that, does that, oh, it does, it does. It was, it was for the youth. It was for our youth listeners. It wasn't for me, <laughs> it but yeah, for yeah, me. yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. No, thank you both for that. But, Cause I think it is, you know, immigration, especially, and just like going into new countries with like peace players, for example, with historically conflicted divides, you're already in this charged really charged emotional state that you're being thrown into sort of and sort of how do you navigate both bringing people together but also making sure that you uh sort of balance that tightrope a lot of the time because you are still that foreigner and like how do you build that trust in a way that's conducive to everybody and is is a really impressive thing that we do i'm just saying peace players is impressive with what they do and and (laughs) right well said Travis, I'm curious, just like talking about immigration, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, and, and I'm more so curious because it says you started, you know, your, depl- your public foreign, I don't want to butcher these names. You're saying all these different names, public foreign policy, diplomacy, which one should I say? Like with the Obama administration? Uh, yeah, just foreign as a foreign officer. service officer foreign yeah, service foreign service in the Department officer. of State. So, so mm-hmm. kind of the, 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 the legion of people who are posted abroad, um, mm-hmm. you know, working in the 275 embassies and consulates around mm-hmm. the world, mm-hmm. representing the United States to foreign audiences, but also mm-hmm. serving as the face of the, the federal government, um, you know, for those Americans who are living abroad. 
Yeah. Oh, to okay. Build, okay. To build peaceful that relations. That makes sense. Yeah. We want friends. Um, we want allies. That's what we want. Right. Right. Just in terms of like immigration for me, I think like it plays a key role in expanding, you know, sports and cultural diversity in the US. Yet, you know, our country seems pretty divided as it relates to, you know, labor and immigration issues and stuff like that. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, some American citizens are obviously very wary of newly arrived immigrants for countless reasons. So, you know, what are your thoughts on immigration of athletes to immigration in general? you know, in the, in sort of the two relations? Yeah, uh, it's a good question. Good question. And, and, and yeah, and you're right. I mean, it's immigration has almost taken on a pejorative sort of connotation, right? As it's entered the, the political conversation and it's right. very divided between, you know, the two sides in our uh, country's political debate. But I, you know, immigration, I mean, you know, you can, you can obviously go back to Okay, globalization started post World War One or post World War Two when we recognized that through the power of working together as the international community, we could, you know, do com commit ourselves to the greater good. You right. could argue it goes back to the formation of this country. That gets into a much obviously broader and deeper conversation. But mm -hmm. I think in, in the near term, you know, we talked about all of those things that are uh, important to the the utilization of sports as a tool to reach foreign audiences. I don't think there's any debate necessarily around the need to, um, uh, you know, project to uh, the values the, uh, of, of the United States, right, right, to foreign audiences. I think that's, mm -hmm. that's a positive, and, you know, whether you're coming at it from a uh, contribution to, um, you know, the, the pool of, uh, of workers in our country, if you're looking at it from an economic perspective of investment in other countries and foreign invest investment in our country, if you're looking at it from a cultural perspective of, you know, of bringing people together and that the, you know, kind of the, um, the value it brings to our culture and our society by having right. a, a mix of, of people from other cultures and languages and ethnicities. Right. I mean, immigration is, is fundamental to the existence of, of our global society. Exactly. Right? And, exactly. Yeah. And then in, in terms of sports, I, I mean, I, there, there's no question that, uh, you know, sports are more exciting you know, when you have a global talent pool that comes together and plays against each right. other at the same time, you know, that, you know, that, and that really is fundamental to sports diplomacy and that it turns eyes and adoration and attention to the United States, which is ultimately what the department of state is trying to accomplish. Exactly. And so, you know, talking back now as uh, somebody who worked at the NBA for years and now in my current role, with Jeter, it's it's talking about that. It's reminding people that that sports transcends. Sports goes beyond in a way that helps the Department of State accomplish its foreign policy goals. And so, whether it's sending Chinny to Tanzania to to work with children in the Maasai villages, you know, one of the programs I worked on when I was in the sports diplomacy office was sending Shaquille O'Neal to Cuba. In, uh, Very uh, the late, cool. Yeah, and you know, just a country that has been isolated from so much of the world for 50, 60 years, you know, to have right. somebody, you know, of a personality of, of Shaquille O'Neal and that, you know, the thousands right. of lives that were touched <laughs> right. by that visit. Right. I right. mean, you know, again, there's a separate conversation to have about the country's stance towards Cuba, right. From a right. geopolitical perspective. But I think that, you know, the argument that, you know, cultural diplomacy has been fundamental to our work abroad for more than a hundred years. Right. And it goes all the way back to, you know, missionaries carrying the game of basketball abroad and using that as a tool to 
talk, you know, bring people together to bring kids together to, right. to then, right. you know, to, to, to talk about, you know, their priorities. And so right. I just, I, I think it's, you know, we, we get caught up in this idea that like, oh, immigration is a bad thing right. or, you know, immigration is a inherently political issue that's kind of taboo to talk about when, right. you know, the majority of, of immigration, if you will, is, is absolutely legal, is, you know, a hundred percent in compliance with the rules of the Immigration and Naturalization right. Act and, you know, largely beneficial to our country. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm getting really Love excited that. over here. I'm like, yes, <laughs> um, especially the part about just immigration uh, aids the global growth of sport. Like the, if we diversify the world, the world becomes better. Um, yeah. and, and that being said, so I, I'm sure that Jetter Global Partners gets you really excited um, every day in the morning to know that you will be at the center of ensuring professional athletes and teams and leagues have the highest quality immigration guidance and support worldwide. Um, and, and I'm like at the edge of my seat, but I, I think one of my biggest questions here is how do you stay abreast of all the cultural policies of a country to equip your athletes, uh, mm -hmm. with the knowledge on where they're going, like factors, like, like, do you take things into consideration? Like, so one of the things that I was thinking about is, uh, when you send, a, if you have to send a, a gay athlete to the Philippines or like in the world cup during the Qatar human rights, that those violations that were being, uh, that occurred. Uh, and how they were treating the workers based on the condition, like how they were sleeping and all those different things. And, and then we talk about, if we bring it to America, um, how you're educating your athletes on gun violence <laughs> in America. Like, how do you stay on top of all that um, just in your role? Uh, yeah. Question. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, having the background that I do kind of, I think, gives me good perspective. Yes. I've, I've kind of got the legislative background, having right. worked on Capitol Hill. Uh, foreign policy and understanding of the Department of State. And then really my time at the NBA, um, you know, for the six years I spent there was was being a, a bit of a, a translator and interpreter, both between the NBA to, to better understand where uh, the Department of State stood and kind of government speak right. and like what, right. what was being said when uh, something wasn't being said. Right, exactly. And then also going back to the Department of State and saying, look, here, you know, the NBA is the world's most global league. 25% of our players were born outside the US. And what, what really sets the, you know, the, the NBA apart, and I think was good training for me. So, you know, comparing kind of major sports leagues, if you will, MLB, uh, NHL, and you know, 70% of NHL's players are from Canada. Um, you know, MLB has a, a significant percentage of its players that are born internationally, but they tend to be a bit more focused in kind of Caribbean, Central America, South America, South yeah. America mm -hmm. yeah. uh, Far Asia. What, what really sets the NBA apart and what I was fortunate to be a part of is this past season, we had 40 countries represented in those 450 players, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's such a small universe of players because there's only 15 guys on the 30 right. teams rosters mm. and 40 countries are represented there, including right. the United States. We had our first Portuguese player in the NBA this season, our first Colombian player on an NBA yes. roster this past season. And, you know, it just, it, it keeps growing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, our, you, you look at the, the three MVP candidates, right? It was Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is, is from Greece, via and Nigeria. Nigeria. And Nigeria. Shout out, shout out, via Nigeria. Um, <laughs> you had uh, Jokic, who is from uh, Serbia. Serbia. And then you mm -hmm. had Joel Embiid, who's from Cameroon. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, all three of the uh, MVP finalists were from other countries. Obviously, yeah. you know, you've got people like Luka Doncic, uh, who are coming up, you know, from, um, you know, coming up in the league now and a lot mm -hmm. of other international guys. The draft is uh, just around the corner for 
the NBA next season, a number of high profile international players. So that just, I, I guess it's a long way of answering your question to say, you know, it, I wake up in the morning and I've got emails from Australia and the Philippines and Japan and China from overnight. And then, you know, it kind of rolls with the clock over the course of the day, you know, once Very cool. uh, working with on Asia, Africa's up, uh, Europe's in their afternoon. And then, you know, it just and then rolls through the country. And so it's, it's cool because the job is so global in its scope that it right. just it kind of forces me to, to kind of constantly be reading, constantly be staying yeah. up on, on what's happening around the world. Very nice. Mm. Mm. Wow. That just gets me excited. I don't know. I'm just happy about that. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Way to be everywhere, but just in one place, like just know everything about everything. You're probably great at trivia, but another another day, another day. Um, (laughs) Is that 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 an exhale moment? Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The next part we're getting ready to go to. It's not. Oh, yes. Oh, Travis. he knows. Okay. He knows. Explain, explain the lightning round for the people. Oh, who don't know. Okay. Well, welcome to the lightning round. As you know, um, insert sound our, effects. Uh, <laughs> not only is, our, is he our icebreaker king, but he's also our lightning round. I mean, I would just say lightning round prince. Champion. Lightning round prince. Yeah, I don't prince. have the okay, full crown yet, but yeah. we're getting there. We're getting um, there. And so, what you'll em- embark on here is you'll have uh, Emmett will ask you a series of questions. You'll have three to four seconds to answer those questions. Um, we do have a timer and we will write down the most amazing answers, which is what we're expecting from you. No pressure. Uh, <laughs> Emmett also has his famous line, which he will say now. No, it's a, it's, it's totally fine. Answer fully and honestly, and we'll judge you heavily with each yes, answer. So it's good. Yes, uh, <laughs> and with that being said, Emmett, are you ready? Yes. You got the clock ready and your pencils ready. It. Let's okay. do this. I'm excited. Travis, are you ready? I have no idea. Let's do it. <laughs> That's perfect. Okay. Okay. And here we go. Okay, bowling or mini golf? Bowling. Ooh. Ooh. Flying or driving? Flying. Got to be job. international. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. Dry or humid? Oh, dry. No doubt. Uh, Arizona. <laughs> Give me that dry heat. <laughs> right, right. The book version or the movie version? Book version. Okay, AM or FM radio? Oh, can I, can I, can I, can I sidebar on these or do I have to, are we still on the clock? We start, hey, I, okay, I, my you can first talk. job was an AM radio station, which was KFRM. Uh, okay. Shout out Shout KFRM. Shout out, out KFRM. <laughs> All farm, agriculture, talk radio, AM. And my grandfather who lived like four hours away would listen to me on the news every morning because it had this Aww. booming AM signal. So I have, you know, you talk about nostalgia, Emmett. I have a, a bit of nostalgia for AM oh, radio. That's so nice. Which your oh, younger gosh. listeners are even more saying, what is yeah, AM get, radio? Is that a band? <laughs> like AM is that, is that, are they, do they AM open in the for morning? the cassettes? Do yeah. they open for the cassettes? <laughs> um, okay, are you a little bit country or a little bit rock and roll? Rock and roll. Okay, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Summer or winter Olympics? summer all right okay art museums or history museums oh that's a good one right because you got the cultural diplomacy (laughs) the understanding of the world i gotta go with history though right shouts out the history museum way to link it yep okay most underrated childhood game in your opinion wow okay I have great memories of uh, Yahtzee, which, you know, there's the, you learn how to count, you learn math. You also kind of learn how to play poker as a child. So I'm Mm -hmm. a big fan. Yeah, yeah. Early onset gambling with Yahtzee. Yeah, basically what we need here. Bring it back. Bring it all back. Um, Uh, Which do you prefer, 
a horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? These are important wow. questions that we need answers. Wow. We need uh, yeah, to know I, these I, answers. I have, I have an almost eight-year-old and a six-year-old. And so I'm trying to think about it from their perspective of yeah. like, what would be more useful to have around? I, I think tiny duck horses. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, a massage or an afternoon nap? Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm not good at sitting still. I'm, uh, <laughs> I often confuse uh, busyness for productivity, but uh, engage in both. So um, I, I'm not good at massages. I'm worse at naps. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's honestly of all these, even the, the duck horse one, this is a harder question for me. Let's go with a nap. A nap okay. 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 Comedy or drama? Comedy. Hmm. Uh, the last thing you taught someone else to do. Uh, again, I, I got to go back to the kids, right? Sports diplomacy starts at home and I'm trying to get my daughter to ride a bike and she refuses. So mm. I, I, mm. I, I don't know how this ties into the larger global audience, but I'll get there. I, I, <laughs> do, it I love... the do it for the people. <laughs> do it for the people. The, the, the child refusal to ride a bike is so funny. Side tangent, just the idea that they always say like, my sister, I was like this, my older brother, it was always like to our parents, we're never going to need to know how to ride a bike. You can't make <laughs> us do this. And our parents were like, what are you talking about? Just like learn how to ride the bike. Everybody's going to ride a bike. Kind of thing. I, ride, I ride a bike a lot more than I do algebra. Right, yeah, right. Exactly. 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 Yeah. All right. And lastly, Travis, what's one thing you want the listeners to remember from today? The uh, great question. I think, you know, it's, it's a big, big world, but people at the end of the day are what matters. And I think, you know, we've strangely in the way that, you know, technology has spread, it's allowed a dehumanization that I don't think we really foresaw happening. Mm, right. And I think right. the, the reminder that, and it, you know, you see a lot of stories around kind of aggression and just people have gone to some extent in kind of a bunker mentality in, in the pandemic. And as we come out, you know, there's just, there's, I think a lot of anger, a lot of mistrust, and certainly, you know, our current uh, political conversations, you know, to some extent uh, foment that, but I just, you know, I, I, working in this international space, Jenny, you've seen it on the ground. I, right. I mean, it's just people are human beings at the end of the day. So, right. Um, you know, just it, it, diplomacy, like you said, can be kind of a, um, you know, an abstract topic, but at the end of the day, it's just about connecting with another human being, no matter what they look like or, or where they're from. So yeah. I yeah. think that at the end of the day is what it comes down to. Yeah. Uh, couldn't have said that's, it better, yeah, honestly. That's, that's, yeah. It's so crucial. This is, yeah. It's, it's like, um, for me, it's just so much deeper because this conversation and everything that you're sharing today, Travis, kind of like, it resonates deeply with me because I, played professionally for 11 years and so like all your answers I'm like yes yes absolutely <laughs> um you know without trying to be too mushy about it but yeah no thank you you did a, Congrats, a, a you really great the, job you got through the yeah, lighting you got through right. You're, you're alive. You no, right right that last piece like yeah, I know um but yeah that was awesome um I really like that you're a little bit rock and roll all right so we're gonna move <laughs> right into our next question and i have a question written down but i think i just want to talk more about jetter um and yeah. your your new yeah your new business uh mm -hmm. primarily 
I think I'm at the point, you know, I, I told you, you already know this. I played professionally for 11 years and I've been trying to um, use my platform, you know, to serve something greater than myself. And I know it's in sports diplomacy and I love what I do. Um, and I love learning about uh, different areas to plug myself in. And we, Travis, you and I had a conversation, a one-on-one conversation about uh-huh. uh, foreign service officer and different, you know, different types of roles. But what I really enjoy is that, um, I guess your job in a way talks about immigration assimilation and it, it, it's a platform that expands the world in the way we think. And it's just through sports, something that everybody loves. And I just want to know at what point in your career, when you're, you're a foreign service officer or you're working with the NBA and you say to my, yourself, you know what, let me, let me do this for myself. Let me create mm-hmm. this thing that I um, am well-equipped to do. Um, let me, throw away that imposter syndrome and do this on my own. Uh, I built the connections. I know people around the world. Like what, what happened? What, what made yeah. you go time? It's time to do this. Right. Right. No, it's, it's a great question. Thank you um, for asking that. I, uh, you know, it's, it, it really, I alluded to this a little bit earlier, but it really was the pandemic because I think, you know, going back to, to what we were just talking about there, that there was this uptick in kind of, fear of others and right. you know it really was you know fundamental to like are they carrying an illness that could get me sick and you know as a result we had a lot of uh travel restrictions we had a lot of uh policies that were instituted over the course of the pandemic that limited travel to the united states uh and everywhere around every country around the world did that and, and, and it was necessary to try and control the the spread of covid but you know at the same time we, you know, we were trying to figure out, and I think the NBA really was a leader in trying to figure out how to balance, okay, we have to be safe, we have to be healthy, we have to protect people, but we have to live our lives, right? Mm-hmm. And that was very much an evolution mm-hmm. that took place um, for everybody as we tried mm-hmm. to figure out, okay, do we go back to work? Do we, you know, we're wearing masks do do? when we're, yeah, just like how right. to, to navigate the space. And so, um, you know, I, I'm kind of, you, you know, being at the NBA, coming out of the government and particularly coming from the Department of State, you know, knowing people within Homeland Security, knowing people within the State Department that are, you know, the overseers of our immigration policy, it just, it put me at this space where I, I kind of had the knowledge of the latest that was going on. You know, there was a process that was instituted that anybody coming from Europe and the European Union could not come into the United States without a waiver. Right. which was called a, a national interest exemption. Mm-hmm. And it was you know, deemed by the, the previous administration and the current administration that professional sports or sports is in the national interest. Right. And so as a result of that, we had wa- a waiver process through which athletes could get into the United States to essentially you know, work in their, in their jobs, not just so they could play a game. Because at the end of the day, that's, that's what this is about. Right. Sports is not just a game. I mean, right. it's a multi-billion dollar industry and it exports US values and ideals globally. At the end of the day, that, that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. And so um, you know, sports, I think, played a unique role in um, you know, it, it basically you know, they, to find, for people during the pandemic to find inspiration, to find unity, exactly. stability, yes. right? You know, the, and I think it really showed how, how sports is a tool that brings people together because, you know, we were able to follow those events even while we were sequestered in our homes. And so right. basically, you know, it was through that that I, I started talking to other sports leagues and I recognized that there was kind of this space of, of questions and confusion and, you know, frankly, so it's, it's answering questions back to 
sports entities that are trying to navigate what is a confusing right. global immigration landscape. But there's right. also an advocacy component here in Washington where, you know, I can sit down with colleagues, you know, former colleagues from the Department of State and leadership there with the Department of Homeland Security within the government to talk about what sports does, to talk about exactly. everything we're talking about here, right? Because it's not necessarily inherently understood. It's like, right. oh, it's just a game. We need to, you know, and I, and I think, you know, we have to talk through that and beyond that to, to better explain how it, it really does play a role in, in serving the, the U.S. population and the U.S. government. And once you have that conversation, every time it's like, ah, okay, I get it. You see those mm -hmm. moments where it clicks. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the NBA has been an amazing place to work and kind of put me on a path to, to be able to expand my purview a little bit uh, in, in working with, with other leagues while still working back with the NBA. Mm. And then, you know, as we look to the, the landscape that lies ahead for this country, you have the FIFA World Cup in 2026, right. which will be right. in the United States, Mexico, and Canada. You have the uh, Summer Olympics in 2028, LA 28. Uh, potentially the Winter Olympics in 2030, Rugby World Cups, men and women were both announced uh, just here in the last couple of months. We'll be here in, uh, I think, 27 and 31. So there's just there's these mega sporting events that are coming into the United States. And like you touched on what you know has transpired in Qatar in advance of this World Cup. Exactly. Here is an opportunity, I feel like, for the U.S. to change the tenor of that conversation, right. to show how to do it right, to show right. how and why we are a leader in the world. And it, it's everything from, you know, the, the immigration component, um, you know, to do it from a, an environmentally kind of sustainable way and building right. stadiums and creating the infrastructure for these events. Um, you know, and, and so there's so much. And then, you know, you talk about the human rights. There, there's so exactly. many aspects to this that allow, I think that allows the United States to create a new paradigm, to shift that paradigm to like, right. okay, this is the way we do global sports moving forward. And right. I just, I think there's an opportunity to be a part of that conversation and I want to be there. Wow. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, that's, it's that's so amazing. important because I think those things that you just listed are so, um, not like unstable, but that they have so much weight to them, right. human rights, mm -hmm. environmental sustainability, gender um, equity, gender equity mm -hmm. all of these Absolutely. things. And sort of what does Jeddah do specifically also? And then just, and then immigration as well as another proponent of that. And like, when athletes do come, you, you right. mentioned they, the, this sort of space that that's like sports aren't forever. There has to be more of a foundational structure for right. these people when they come over kind of, yeah. or mm -hmm. vice versa. Mm -hmm. right. And, and it's uh, specifically, I, and I know I'm harping on immigration, but I'm just, you know, sort of focused in through that lens, partially just because that is super charged either because of politics or other sort of entities right. that are, are feeding into that. But um, I think it's how do you how do you establish stability and reassurance among those athletes and uh, amongst yourselves and sort of the game plan that you guys have when you know that you're sort of going into a world that is pretty subjective and unstable in a lot of different elements, depending on uh, whatever happens that day, really? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Great question. Yeah. I, yeah, no, absolutely. Great question. Um, you know, I, 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 immigration, I think, like we said, is, is, a, is a, has a connotation to it. I, I prefer global mobility. Um, Ooh, although yeah. I think I, yeah, so I, I mean, it's really about the ability to move around the world right. 
as an athlete to participate in competitions, right? right. I mean, the, you know, the first official Summer Olympic Games is 1896, but it, I mean, it goes back thousands of years, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, even before, you know, the 20th century, we saw the value of bringing athletes together in an international forum to participate in the game, you know, in sport against each other. And so I think, you know, that it, it, it goes beyond just like what we're talking about in the present day situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've seen just time and time again, how it, 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 it breaks down barriers, it breaks down walls. And so I, I think, you know, it's, it's interesting in talking to, to government actors, because again, I think sports can kind of be sidelined as a game, right? Like mm-hmm. what kids play. But, you know, when you're talking about the level, you know, that you're participating, you participated at Cheney and, and you know, playing internationally, you saw that. Yeah. Uh, right now, you know, I'm working closely with the WNBA and the Department of State uh, and a variety of actors on the case of Brittany Griner, who is Ooh. currently detained in a, you know, wow. a Russian prison. Right. And so, you know, that it's not just a game, right? right? I mean, it gets into a much broader conversation about our world. Exactly. And so I, I think, Going back to just being a, you know, a voice that I feel like I understand the government's point of view, having worked in the government for years, mm-hmm. I understand mm-hmm. the perspective of having worked at the NBA and, and, you know, spending time building a network of contacts in other sports leagues and athletes, you know, specifically, I, you know, one of the great things about my job is that I, I work directly with the international players in the NBA. Right. Right. Uh, and that's that's a lot of fun. Right. Because right. They, they tend, <laughs> you know, you talk about a player who comes, uh, you know, a guy like Taco Fall. Right. So Taco, uh, you know, I've, I've known him since draft night and I was with him on that night and he, he was at the the um, the arena in Brooklyn, the Barclays Center, waiting for his name to be called. And right. it, and then, you know, he went to the Celtics, was signed afterward after not being drafted and then was in the cap with the Cavaliers, you know he recently went through the process to obtain his uh, green card. And so I've worked with him kind of through that process all along. And Taco is an amazing individual, you know, is just like the the sweetest human being. And so like to be able to to kind of know him personally and know where he came from and and to see him on this journey as he tries to carve out his space as a professional athlete and then what he wants to do in terms of giving back to his home country of Senegal, like that right. just encapsulates just how, you know, the, the, the power and the opportunity to use sports as a force for good. Well, I and again, think- it, it just, it <laughs> yeah. falls back on one of peace players core values, which yeah. is just seeing people as people, you people, know, like right. your ability mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. able to build that connection with him drives right. also your on a very like minuscule level, your drive to just want to continue to, you're like, Oh, I see that I have this feeling now. And I want to just keep feeding this feeling in an addictive way kind of thing. Right. Right. You know? I'd also link yeah. it to cultural collaboration, right? Cause he's, he's, you're, you're essentially making a, a pathway that we can collaborate with the entire world. Um, mm-hmm. And, and we can take ideas from people who have perspectives different than our own uh, and create a world, a, a world that's more, uh, I guess, diversified uh, and inclusive of everyone. So that, yeah. that's amazing. Well, and the NBA really, I think, I feel like that's, that's exactly, that's, that's part of its ethos, right? Is, um, is, is trying to, to spread the game of basketball globally, but in doing so in a kind of, uh, you know, in a way that's, 
that's not just about bouncing balls, but also about building life skills and empowering women and girls. And yeah, and going into, you know, those various, um, you know, those various components of sports that are, are so important to, to building up young people. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we talk about Africa, you know, my, my first trip, so you, you had the pandemic and uh, we were supposed to launch the Basketball Africa League in March <laughs> yeah. of 2020, uh, as you well know, Ginny, and then ultimately yes. had to uh, put that on hold as, you know, as we did all sporting activities. Ultimately, we ended up doing a tournament style bubble in mm. Rwanda uh, for the first season of the Basketball Africa League. So my first trip, uh, first time on a plane, first time traveling for work after 18 months or uh, was to go to uh, Rwanda and live in the Kigali. Radisson Blue for a month. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, to help oversee, you know, help work with my colleagues to, to carry out this first season of the Basketball Africa League. So again, even in the midst of the pandemic, we brought together teams from 12 different countries. And, you know, it was fascinating to see because you have the Northern Africa teams in that first season. You had the mm -hmm. team from Egypt, from uh, uh, Tunisia, from Morocco, but you also had a team from Nigeria. You had a team from Madagascar. You had the home host team from Rwanda and Angola. Right. And just like the, you know, we, we, I think we as a, as a society at times can kind of just group Africa, right. As opposed right. to it being 54 sovereign nations with very different cultures, languages, exactly. Uh, and, and belief systems. And so it's really fascinating to see again, just that on display with the Egyptian team playing the Malagasy team in one of the games. And it's just like, look at this, like this, right. this is, this is sport bringing people together, together. in a setting they never yeah. would have been together otherwise. otherwise and then, yeah. you know, those, then those, those connections are made because you've got guys who, you know, they, they're, they're young, they're players, they're connecting on social media, you know, they're retweeting each other. And so it just, it's so cool to see that in action, you know, from doing a camp on the ground um, in the Serengeti to, to doing it, you know, in a more formal setting that's, that's broadcast internationally. Travis, I'll just say this. If you need anyone to help you with that work, um, Emin and I are <laughs> you got, you got some ideas? <laughs> <laughs> Emin and I are available at any time uh, to fly yeah. anywhere. We'll bring uh, the cassette tapes and the AM radio back. <laughs> we'll do AM radio in Rwanda. That would be Love amazing. it. Love right. it. This has been amazing. Thank you so, so, so much. Emmett, you have something? Travis, if you yes. have, uh, if you want, where can people find out more about what Jetter is doing and what you're doing and if people can follow, keep up to dates, this is sort of your your time to to shine and let let the people know how they can follow and keep tabs on what's going on. Yeah. Uh, no, thank world. you for that. Yeah. Um yeah, Jetter Global, J E T R, uh jettergloble.com. Uh feel free to to go there and check us out. Um you know, and we're it's still very new. We're building this out. Um, but I'm available at Travis uh, at jetterglobal.com. So happy to uh, engage and, and interact if anybody wants to communicate. And uh, yeah, we're, we're excited to, to see where this goes, to see the opportunities to continue to play a part in facilitating and, and participating in, in conversations around the role of sports in our society and you know, the tremendous opportunities that exist for the United States to, to use sports as a catalyst for change, to use it yeah. to to change people's lives, and mm. so I'm I'm very excited to to see where we go from here. And I, and I appreciate this opportunity to speak to you both today. Absolutely. No, it's an honor. It was awesome. an honor to yes. to talk to you. You are. Thank you was, very much. <laughs> this was awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you both. And that's it for today's episode. Thank you all for listening and joining us on this amazing journey. If you like what you heard, mm -hmm. 
I always say this, we encourage you to like and subscribe. We've got many more conversations and stories to share in the coming weeks. Invite a friend and leave a review. Um, like this is the greatest show on earth. And Emmett right. truly is the icebreaker uh, king. I mean, uh, there have been many reviews like that, but we can, we'll take more. Um, <laughs> Emmett, uh, of course, we cannot close this without getting your thoughts. No, in. no. I mean, he he was, uh, talk about an articulate, just like, as as we said on the on the episode, he just gets it. You know what I mean? He like he, he gets it. And yeah. it was just like those sort of conversations we have, it's just like, it doesn't even feel like work or feel like energy. Yeah. It's just like, we just like are nodding our heads yes. in a continuous yes. motion the whole mm. time, mm. you know? So yeah, it's always refreshing to, to talk to someone. I've never met him. You knew him, but just to see someone who connects so uh, aligned with like all of my morals is like right, really right. refreshing. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I hope, uh, I hope people check out Jetter. They should. It's, it's, it's really going to, I think, make an insane difference in yeah. the world if you think about it, yeah. but you know what else is going to make an insane difference? Um, besides this podcast. I mean, uh, I don't in know. fact, <laughs> this podcast and peace players, you can learn more about peace players by visiting our website at, www.peaceplayers.org mm -hmm. and following us on social media, mostly at Peace Players International and the Play It Forward podcast. Mm -hmm. That's on Instagram. Peace Players International is mostly on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube. You can watch our beautiful faces, try to yes. bulldoze our way through questions and yeah, the lightning round. Mm -hmm. And um, Ginny, I know you're releasing a mixtape on SoundCloud for the um, player, but no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe someday, bonus content, we don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Right, but right. all I know is I finished my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>